Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Dave McMinn, and I'm one of the bonus pastors here. Um, I'm getting to preach this morning because Erin, is she feeling better? Um, She's getting there. And uh, Pastor Jim is out of town, and he so graciously invited me to preach today. Uh, I'm the pastor of the Texas Wesley, which is a United Methodist campus ministry to the University of Texas. And I'm just, I want you all to know it's so great to be worshiping in person with y'all. There's something about this and gathering together and how precious this is. And I think if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that gathering with other believers and worshiping God is just it's just amazing. And so I'm, I'm grateful that you're here in person, online, and, um, and all the things that the church is doing. It's exciting to get to be a part of what Pastor Jim is doing here and now in the church. So we're finishing up the sermon series new that uh, Pastor Jim has been preaching on for the last six weeks or so, where he's talked about a new heart and a new life and a new covenant, a new commandment and new creation. I'm sure I didn't catch all of them, but that was most of them. Um, and uh, last week he, he talked about a new creation and how that changes our life and how we live in this world. And so I get to talk about something pretty exciting, and that is the end of all things. Now, that may not sound super exciting, but when we talk about what we get to look forward towards, when we talk about heaven, we talk about the, the new heaven and new earth and what God is going to do, it is not just a good thing, but it is a very good thing. And so today we're talking about all things new. And so what I wanted to do is for y'all to shout out, when you think about heaven, what are some of the images or thoughts that come to your mind? There's no wrong answers, right? Just shout out what, what first comes to your mind. Food. I, you know, I, I actually, that's very true. The heavenly banquet is, is something we talk about. Reunion. Reunion, yes. Getting to see our loved ones that we have lost and missed and we haven't seen in a while. What else? Joy. Yeah. I'm one at a time. Sorry. Huh? Golden streets, yes, okay. Seeing Jesus, yeah, in person, in the flesh. Peace, peace. No pain. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Anything else? It's our Father's house. So that God, or Jesus goes to prepare rooms for us. You know, y'all actually like A plus head of the class because, you know, a lot of times we talk about heaven. People might mention, you know, something about sitting on a cloud or like baby angels playing harps or something. But uh, everything y'all mentioned is exactly part of what we get to look forward to. And I think this is so important for us to talk about this time of when God is going to make all things new, to talk about what happens in the life after death, the eternal life, because it is eternal life that in many ways allows us to live abundantly here and now. I don't know about you guys, but for me, this has been a pretty tough week, seeing what's going on in the world. Um, And uh, so on Thursday, as Russia, for no reason, invaded Ukraine. I was doom scrolling on Twitter. Uh, anybody else do that? Or like social media, Facebook, just seeing like what next is going to happen. And I came across this image, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, and in the, in the tweet, and, and, and of course, we don't know exactly what's going on, but in the tweet, it said, uh, Ukrainian citizens gather in the street to pray. And now this was right before the invasion happened in the city of Kharkiv. Now think about that, that all these Russian tanks are about to come in and invade their country, and their response is to kneel in the street. And this is Ukraine, so it's cold, (laughs) right? It is freezing cold, and they think that the best way for their response is to gather in the street and to pray. When we have something so terrifying in our life, we had the pandemic, we have other things, we have... Uh, sickness, we have lo- losing loved ones, we have so much grief in our life, 
This is what our response should be, to kneel before God and pray. And I think you can take the slide away. I think that knowing, knowing that we have something after this life, we have a promise of something more than this particular existence helps us to respond in Christ-like ways in very difficult situations. It helps us to live an abundant life, to know that we have a promise, to know that this is not the end of our world. And it has encouraged Christians since the beginning of time, beginning of time, sorry, since the beginning of Christianity to live the life that we're called to. Early on, Christians were persecuted. They were killed for their beliefs. And yet they proclaimed the gospel boldly because they knew that if they were to die, that they had that eternal life. So eternal life allows us to live more abundantly here and now. Eternal life lives us to, allows us to live more abundantly here and now. But what is it? What is it that we get to look forward to? The first scripture I want to share is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. This is what Paul says. God has prepared things for those who love him that no eye has seen or ear has heard or haven't crossed the mind of any human being. I read that again. God has prepared things for those who love him that no eye has seen or ear has heard or haven't crossed the mind of any human being. So I want us to take a moment, close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that, and I want you to picture the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Now, for some of us, it might be the Caribbean, it might be on top of a mountain, uh, it might be the smiling face of your child or a loved one. Everyone have that kind of picture in your mind? And now the truth of Scripture, what Paul is saying that nothing that we have ever seen, no matter how beautiful the image is that you're thinking of right now, it does not compare to what heaven is going to be like. You can open your eyes. So whatever it is, it is going to be so good and so wonderful that it's going to be better than anything we have experienced in this life. And that is good news, right? The good news is that what we get to look forward is so beautiful and wonderful that we can't even begin to imagine it. Now, that's just the beginning of what I want to talk about, because we don't just believe in life after death, right? Because the story of Scripture is God coming into our world. In creation, in the story of Adam and Eve, God dwells with Adam and Eve. And then even after we break covenant with God and we sin, God dwells by having a relationship with Abraham. God is with them with Jacob and Isaac and then Jacob's sons. And then when God's people are taken into Israel, God doesn't leave them there in the misery of being enslaved. God sends Moses to save them, right? And God is with them as they, they travel around the desert, living in the tabernacle. And then later, God is living in the temple. And the ultimate version of this is Jesus who is God, the ultimate revelation of God is God becoming human and dwelling with us. And then even after Jesus ascends back to heaven, we're told that we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit and God literally dwells within us. In the same day that we breathe, as we breathe, we are animated by the Holy Spirit. So the story of Scripture is God with us. And, and that's true too when we talk about the ultimate reality and all things being made new is that God will dwell with us. So it's kind of confusing, but we actually believe in life after, life after death. So we die, we get to go, we get to be with God in heaven. 
And then at the, the last day, God is going to set everything to right. And this is going to be a good thing. It's going to be a day of judgment, but it's a good thing. Because just as we're seeing in the world right now, there are people who do evil things, right? We even choose to do evil things. But God is going to set all things to right. And that will be the last day. And all things will be made new. And we'll have full resurrected bodies. And we'll get to live and joy in that world. Let's, let's read uh, from Revelation chapter 21 uh, about this particular moment. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people's. God himself will be there with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. There'll be no mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these, worthy, these words are trustworthy and true. The words of God for the people of God. So a few things I wanted to point out. First of all, uh, this idea of a new heaven and a new earth, right? God isn't just simply getting rid of the old heaven. When, when we hear this language, it's in the same way that we are a new creation, and we're still physically right now the same. God is going to remake with a substance that's already there. So it's not just a destroying, like some people want to talk about, that Christians are going to get the heck out of here, and God's righteous fire is going to destroy everything, and that's going to be it, right? That's not really the picture that Scripture paints. The picture that Scripture paints is God coming back to this world and dwelling and heaven and earth becoming one. One reality, one existence. And even though Jesus rules here and now, God allows sin to still pervade. But there'll be a day when God wipes that out and there'll be no existence except for the existence of the people who worship God. And this is good news. So that's the first thing we see. We also see um, the sea is no more. And for those who like the ocean, I know Michelle might be sad with that. She's a big ocean person. Um, the sea for the people of God was, was chaos. It represented chaos. So when, when it says the sea will be no more, it's not actually meaning there'll be no more literal water. But the sea, the ocean, because they were kind of a desert people, represented chaos. And so God is saying there'll be no more chaos. All will be ordered. All will be made right. And it talks about a holy city coming down out of heaven as a bride made for her husband. So the next imagery we get is this wedding, right? And, and weddings are beautiful and wonderful things. And you see just a great celebration and all the joy of a wedding is what that last day will, be, will look like when all things are made new. And this idea of new Jerusalem, Jerusalem, of course, being the seat of Israel, this uh, seat of God's power in the world, not the earthly Jerusalem that we think of today, but a new Jerusalem that'll, that'll be like a city full of gardens, and all things will be made beautiful and wonderful and new in that city. And it tells us that God will dwell with us. And we will be God's people. And God will wipe away every tear. And there will be no more crying or mourning or pain or suffering. Now, this is one of the most beautiful promises of Scripture. I could just imagine God bending down and wiping away the tears and the pain and the suffering all of a lifetime for every single human, right? All that accumulated pain God is going to take and take it away. And God will be with us. 
Now, this has always been the story of Scripture. Even after Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God hand-makes clothes for Adam and Eve. God never abandons us. It's always us that walk away from God. God never abandons humanity. Now, we'll have to make that choice to choose to be with God, but God never abandons us. It says, Lord, I am making all things new. So this scripture tells us that God is the great redeemer and reconciler and that God is going to bring all things together and there'll be no more pain or suffering. And it is a beautiful picture. And I think this helps us today to live more abundantly. Because we know this eternal promise, we can live today more abundantly. We can endure the pain and suffering that we're going through because we know the promise of what we look forward to. If you've lost a loved one, you know that day of reunion is coming. If you're hurting right now, you know the day of joy is coming. If you're lost right now, you know the day where you will be found is coming. It allows us to be the people that God has made us to be. It allows us to be the new creation, empowered by the Holy Spirit. All the things that Pastor Jim has been talking about. Because we can look forward to this day. We can look forward to the glory of that moment. But I think there are ways that we can live now that help us anticipate heaven later. And one of them is worship. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there as well. When we gather in worship, this, this is a radical thing. This is a subversive thing in a world that says there's no hope, in a world that is obsessed with pain, in a world that is obsessed with everything that is wrong. When we gather in this place and when we worship and Christ is in our midst, that is a powerful thing. Because we're saying we are an outpost of what you're doing in the world. And as we sing praises, as we ring scripture, and we're encouraged and we're sitting out into the world, we have a little bit of heaven inside us. And when we go to this table in a little bit, and we're reminded of Jesus' sacrifice by the breaking of bread and the lifting up of the cup, we meet Jesus at the table. And we meet Jesus as we look in each other's face. And we see it in one another. And it changes who we are. We also each and every day have an opportunity to spend time with our creator. I love the, the, the app, right? That we each day can read the same scripture, read the same devotional, comment on it every day, and know that we're in community. It's so great when technology can be used for the kingdom of God, right? We really have no excuses but that is another subversive and radical thing that we do by inviting God, not just every Sunday, but every single day. And we read scripture and we pray. And when we do that, that changes us day by day as the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and we become more and more like Christ, more loving, more giving, more caring. And that's subversive and that changes the world around us. And I think that all of these things encourage us when we see the world as it is. We see Russia invading Ukraine. We see the horrors of things that we do to one another as humans. It encourages us that we can be better. You know, one of the things that we pray in the Lord's Prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. But we're going to live that out each and every day. Make earth a little more like heaven by loving one another. No, we can't do it on our own. That's something that Christ does. That's something God does. But it is something that God asks us to participate in and to give our lives to. One of my favorite uh, 
kind of books of the Bible is Philippians. And in Philippians, uh, it talks about this thing of being a citizen of heaven, right? And I think if we look at that as a, in a modern sense, we kind of misunderstand what Paul is trying to say. Because if we're a citizen of America and we live in another country, let's say we live in, in London, right? We still want to go back to America one day. And so we often take that as being a citizen of, a, of, of heaven means that we're just waiting until we get to get our passport and we get to go to heaven. But I think that fundamentally misunderstands what Paul is talking about because in that day, to be a citizen of Rome did not mean you were going to go back and live in Rome. Rome had a ton of people in it. You didn't want to live there, right? To be a citizen of Rome meant that you were bringing Rome to that place. These were Roman soldiers who had been given land and they had been made a colony in Philippi and their job was to make Philippi like Rome. And so when we read about being a citizen of heaven, it doesn't mean that we're looking forward to escaping this world and ignoring the pain here and now. It means that we are bringing heaven to earth in little ways, in loving ways, through worship, through daily prayer and scripture, and by just doing the best we can to love our neighbor and to love God. That's what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And so why do we see people in Ukraine, as an invasion is coming in, kneeling in the frozen street to pray. Because they know. They know the future. They know there'll be a day where there's no more crying or suffering or pain or tears. They know that no matter what happens, that there is a good day coming. And we should live that way too with the hope that eternal life gives us so that we too could be citizens of heaven. And so that those who are experiencing pain, those who are crying here today can have us to wipe away their tears. Those who are mourning can have us to comfort them. Those who are lost can have us to find them. And each and every day, maybe earth, our neighborhoods, become a little more like heaven. I'm going to read that scripture one more time as I wrap up. I just want you to encourage you to reflect on what it's saying to you today and the, the gift. And I want you to believe that this promise of eternal life will help you live more abundantly today as you get a little bit of that feast that we anticipate. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw a holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. There'll be no mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.